What's up, everybody? My name is Lamont, and welcome back to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, and relationships. I have Rick, the wealth coach, on today, y'all. Rick, the wealth coach, the multimillionaire, author, father, man of God. He about to shed his wisdom on us today, and I thank him for coming on today. I just want to, we're going to start off with a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into it. We're going to get this wisdom. The Bible tells us to get wisdom and all your getting getting the understanding wisdom yes, is the principal thing and we thank you for coming on here with us today and we're going to pray and then we're going to get it started yes sir father god in the name of jesus lord we thank you for this day we honor you we praise you we thank you for giving us another opportunity to learn about your word use your word and put you first father god your word says seek ye first the kingdom of god we thank you that you just given us opportunity to talk to these great minds father god we ask you to just Help us to shed light on others, Father God, so that they put you first. They don't seek money first. They don't seek jobs first. They don't seek their careers first. They don't seek relationships with one another first, Father God. We thank you that the blessing of the Lord makes us rich and adds no sorrow. So we shall not seek these things of the world, Father God. We ask you to cancel every assignment that the enemy tries to put against our minds that will try to help make us to make decisions hastily, Father God. We thank you that we don't live through our emotions. And we thank you for everything you do. We ask you to talk to us today so that we will bring people closer to you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. It is so and it shall be. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing fantastic, brother. Matter of fact, I'm doing so good until I got a hundred foot rule. If anybody's complaining, you got to stay at least a hundred feet away and loose hip. A hundred. How does that work? What, what you do? So you just tell them they just got to stop in their tracks. You know, they come around me. I said, I've had some good days, but God has been good to me. So I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't complain. See, I'm not going to complain. And so I can't allow you over here. If I ain't going to complain, why in the world would I want you all up in my circle? Now, loose hip and move around with that foolishness. So, yes, sir, 100 feet, stay 100 feet away. Like, you remember Jamie Foxx movie when he used to tell, when he used to tell uh, Baxter, Braxton, I think it was his name. That's what I do to folks. You get, you get, you get with that foolishness. You got a bag of dogs. So, we used to kids, we used to say, bag up, give me 50 feet. 50 feet, baby, give me 50 he feet. He said 100. Yeah. If you think COVID is contagious, it ain't nothing like complainers. Hey. Hey man, who you who you telling? <laughs> who is you telling? Cause they what they do is they rub off on you. They start to and then you start complaining. You start thinking negative. What the Bible says it says a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So hey, you start thinking that you can't do things or thinking that you hindered or limited. Then that's what's gonna happen for real, for real. They handicap you. The Bible says, "Be not deceived. Evil communications, for God is not mocked. Evil communications corrupt good manners." So we are the sum total of the five people that we hang out around the most. And since I serve an unreasonable God, I have unreasonable expectations. So I don't hang around no reasonable people. You dig what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. How do you uh, how do you keep control of that? What's your control mechanism? So the word, brother. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. There was nothing made that was made that he didn't make. So my, the word is my sword. You know, the Bible says have the sword, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the word. The word is my sword. It's quick and it's powerful. 
than any, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So I don't have to worry about people backing up off of me. I'm going to walk on a pistol. So when you get close to this word, they cut you up, and then you go ahead on about your business. Woo! <laughs> there it is. Hey, there it is. There it is. We got Rick the Wealth Coach. We got, this is about to be a good episode, y'all. Man of God, he be imparting the wisdom in me. Imparting the wisdom in me, and he's going to do the same thing for y'all today. So let's get into the weeds a little bit. Who is Rick the Wealth Coach? What is your testimony? What has God brought you out of to get you to where you are today? You know, you know you're a successful man. You got a lot going on, but we also always have a story. We have a beginning, and then we also have our expected end. So how has God brought you through this journey called life to get to where you are today? Well, that's a good question, Brother Lamont. And I, one thing I believe in, I believe in credit checks. I believe in checking myself and giving God the credit. <laughs> so, so, I don't believe in like stealing his glory because um, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, I know I've been sifted like wheat a long time ago because if God gave me what I had coming, he would have split my head down to the white meat a long time ago. So he's just been gracious. He's been gracious to me. And uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago and uh, grew up hustling. You know, I was a, somewhat of a child prodigy. I had a vocabulary that exceeded most people, wrong folks vocabulary when I was six, seven years old because I was such a voracious reader. The only problem was that I was reading pimp books, Iceberg Slim, Trick Baby Story of My Life, Sweet Peter Dita, because my brothers was pimps. I had brothers that was pimps. I ain't talking about, I ain't talking about no uh, fabricated pimps. I'm talking about pimps who had prostitutes that lived in my house when I was growing up. All right. So that's mm. what I got exposed to as a young brother. And, um, and that's why I was walking around with a perm with a mahogany wrestling that you dig, trying to <laughs> about, can you dig it? Uh, well, we grew up hustling in the 70s. Uh, my first hustling I used to do is I used to get on a bus and uh, play these three card games and beat people out their money. So I get on the bus and it was, uh, so theater has always been my life. It was illegal theater um, back during the day before Jesus saved me. So I would get on the bus and I remember when I did my very first play, um, when we still went, once I got saved and we started really doing things right. And I did my very first stage play. I have a stage play called The Hustler. It's the story of Jacob tricking Esau out of his birthright. We've done 25 shows already. We'll be doing our next one coming up in June. And every time we do a play, I dedicate the money to victims of violent crimes or people that's dealing with cancer. Because my little sister, Tisha, passed away from cancer. But what, what the streets taught me was it taught me how to be in, taught me how to um, innovate. It taught me how to think quick on my feet because growing up on the south side of Chicago, you had two choices, either think quick on your feet or die. So since I had, since I didn't want to die, I had to think quick on my feet. But I didn't realize that what I was, what I really was was an entrepreneur. I didn't realize that what I really was was a businessman. I didn't realize what I really was was a master marketer in a in a um, exceptional um, execution executor of communication. I didn't realize that's what I was. I was just trying to survive because everybody around us was surviving. So when we did my first stage play, we have a scene in a play where I play the role of Jacob. And in, in this role, I made the play urban like it happened today. So what we do is I take Bible stories and I make them urban like they happen today so people can relate to it so that they can, because uh, my ma major thing when I get up in the morning is to make sure that people understand the word of God. That's my major, my major contribution to people's lives. Way more than money. Money is just a byproduct of keeping the word of God because the word of God is so rich and so powerful until you can't help but have money if you do it. It's impossible not to have some money if you do it because having money is part of the word of God. It's part of the will of God. It's part of the plan of God. And it's how God, it's how God gives down. God is rich, powerful, large, huge, magnanimous, gigantic, don't know nothing about no small stuff. He can't do nothing little because he ain't even capable of it because he's so big and he's so huge. 
So when he gives you some comment, when he gives you some godly sense, you can't help but blow up. You ain't got no choice. It's impossible to obey the word of God and not have the results of the word of God. It's impossible. So once I started doing this play, we come out from us from for the scene where I'm on the run. And um, so I'm playing, I'm, I'm Jake, Esau is chasing me, right? Now, you know, this ain't the Bible. You know, in the Bible, Esau is chasing Jacob they down on farms and all that kind of stuff. But I ain't going to get out like that and show you no play about thou, thus, thee, and though, because you can't relate to that stuff. See, the whole thing about life is to become relatable to people. And Jesus, that's why he taught so many, that's why he taught so many parables. But he taught parables that people could relate to. That's why he said a soil went forth to sow seed because he was talking to a bunch of farmers. That's all he was doing back in the day was just agriculturalists, right? Mm -hmm. So he spoke in terms that a person can understand. You know, he said the kingdom of heaven is like this and it's like that and it's like this and it's like that. It's like a field. It's like a treasure that's in the field. And when a man find out that the treasure's in the field, he go by the whole field and make sure he don't lose out on the treasure. Jesus used to drop dimes to make sure you got the point, all right? So I'm making plays to make sure people can get the point. So in my play, I do some of the things that I did when I was hustling in the streets. And that's why the play is called The Hustler, because I didn't have to do a whole lot of acting because it was just my life. And Jacob was who I used to be. I used to be a trickster, but now I'm a prince because I ain't Jacob no more. Now I'm Israel. You know, now that's the spirit that I have. Now, I once I had the spirit of Jacob. Now I had the spirit of Israel. So I'm so in this in this particular scene, I'm sitting down and I'm on a run from Esau and I'm in the bus stop in Birmingham, Alabama. And I got to figure out how to get some money. So I sit down and I pull my three, I pull my newspaper out so I can start playing my game. And I'm about to see who I can find, if I can find some kind of sucker, somebody that's coming by. This is the play, of course, trying to find somebody that's gullible, <clears throat> who I might be able to beat. So I said, listen, I need all y'all to gather on around now without those ugly frowns and watch me skinny down because this is the coldest game to ever hit this here side of town. They call me Johnny Be Good. I'm just passing through your neighborhood. So sit back, relax, and you can be the first one to say you saw it right here in the Birmingham bus depot. And then I looked over at my actress and I said, how about you over there, cutie pie? Did you see it this time? Now it's time for her lines, right, Lamont? But I forgot the tops. I didn't have them. I had left them backstage by mistake. It's the very first play we ever did, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I rushed to the back of the stage and the stagehand was waiting right there and because uh, and, 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 they're going to anticipate that I forgot the top. So this is what I did. I looked at the actors that was next to me and say, hold on, y'all, I'll be right back. And then I looked out at the audience and I said, y'all act like y'all didn't see this, okay? They laughed so doggone hard. The <laughs> 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 hey, but that brought the life to it right there. They was rolling. It probably was the scene. They laughed more than anything else, uh, probably during the whole play. And I laughed, right? And I just came on back. We all started laughing. And I went right on back into the spiel, and we went on right on into the scene. So I stopped by to let you guys know this afternoon. What I'm trying to say to you, brother and mine, is that life can be planned, but then you got to learn how to innovate. And if you innovate in G if you innovate in Jesus, you got the best life possible because that means that whatever you're doing is already right. So if something goes a little south or goes a little East, it goes a little west. So what? Because God is straightening all that out. So that's part of my story. Part of my story is that I grew up playing them games on the bus. I rode the, I rode the bus like a, I had a job on the bus, like a person to go to work. You know, I make thousands of dollars, you know, in a, in a, you know, in a few minutes, but it took other people days and weeks to do. So I always knew that um, it was a better way of making money than like this nine to five type stuff. I thought that was for suckers. And I still think it is. You know, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I still think it's for a person who is willing to trade their time for money. And I still think that person is lazy. I still feel that way. I felt that way when I was a hustler, a street hustler. And I feel that way now that I'm a businessman, now that I'm a righteous man and love the Lord, serve the Lord, do right by God. I still feel the same way. I just didn't know then 
how to do it the right kind of way. One of my brothers got saved and then I got saved, you know? And then I started doing right today. I was like, wow, this is much better life here. This is amazing. This is phenomenal. When he first got saved, I thought he was crazy because he's talking about, man, I'm going to get married. I'm like, married with all these women out here? I said, you got to be nuts, man. I said, it's like 100 men, women every man, especially in the black neighborhood, brother. We got to do overtime. What are you talking about? I said, this dude lost his rabbit mind. But then after watching him for about five years, and I know five minutes, about five years, I'm like, this cat is serious. I'm like, he, he really going to live right. He's like, this dude like really want to like, Whatever living right is, because I didn't know what it was, because I grew up in church, I'm not going back and forth to church, but we was devils, we weren't doing right. We was going back and forth to church, singing in a choir, three girlfriends in a choir at the same time, a stomp down player, hustling, hustling all week, getting money, then go to church and sing on Sunday and all this sort of thing. A devil on my way, in the bus hell wide open, you dig? But at least I was trying to go in a Cadillac, so I ain't know no better. You know, I ain't know no better. When nobody teaching nothing, little fake preachers, some little hand-pecked preachers, they wouldn't talk about Jesus, about being saved. Nothing like that. I had been in one church where I even understood what the word saved meant until my brother got saved and I watched his life. And then I kind of understood what it meant, you know, just by watching his life, because you can preach all you want. But the biggest message we'll ever preach is the way we behave, you know, and uh, it's way more than anything you can say out your mouth. So eventually he had an effect on me and I went out and I ended up getting saved and going to church and getting saved and all that. Then my mother got saved. She got saved because of me. We came to see her one night and um, my brother Donnie had took some dope. He took uh, some pills. He took some CIs because we used to sell this stuff, right? So he took some of the stuff we used to sell. He over here messing around with the product. He ain't supposed to be doing that. So he took so he took some he took him some pills one night and drank some syrup. Now don't ask me why people would, would buy volumes from us in syrup, but we used to sell cough syrup and volume. Don't ask me why. Because the devil a hard taskmaster. He had people doing stuff that don't make no doggone sense. Seeing to me like, wow, where would you pay to feel like that? But I think it was because <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because when you bought when you when you, if you want to be a pimp, if you want to be a hustle, you're supposed to be tough, right? You're supposed to look hard. So when you take these volumes and drink this syrup, it made you frown up, right? So you frown up so that to make sure that some. <laughs> so, so if you see a, so when a woman come home, she ain't got your money, you're like, she like, she like, sorry, I, it, it, she come in, it's 40, it's 40 below outside. And she's like, and you're like, what's up? She's like, I'm about. I'm about 300 sure, but it's 40 below outside. You're like, it ain't 50 below. Get out there and get my money. So that's the way the stuff, that foolishness used to make you act a dog. It's make you act a fool, just a devil, right? Demons all in here and stuff. So it helped you. So my brother took some of this stuff one night and it had an adverse effect on him. My brother named Donnie passed away now. And my mother called me and my brother because we saved now, right? And uh, she said, hey, your brother having a nervous breakdown over here. He's tripping, he's giggling, he's screaming, he's hollering. You know, he in his body, he out his body. He's delusional. Y'all need to come pray for him. So we came on over to pray for him. We started laying hands on Donnie, and Donnie is laying there. And he tripping, right? So, I mean, he tripping. He, he hallucinating that stuff and sent him off, you know? And um, so my brother said, hey, do you know who this is? Talking about me. And Donnie looked at me and said, uh, that's the president. <laughs> and then he started this hideous laugh. Lamar, this hideous laugh. Like, it was like a demon. The laugh that was coming out of him because it wasn't him. You dig? It was the demons taking over his body and stuff. The way drugs uh, make demons take over your body. So we like, man. So we took him out to the hospital. We got to the hospital. He saw that straight jacket. Something happened to him. Or not. They brought, they pulled that straight jacket out. He was getting ready to put it on him. They say, "Sir, we're going to give you one more chance to um, state your name." He said, "My name is Donnie Williams." <laughs> they said, "Who are these two guys?" <laughs> they said, "Who are these two guys with you?" He said, "That's my brother Jerome and my little brother Ricky." <laughs> It was like he understood what was going on. So we praise God. We get we got back home. The Lord gave him his mind back. Praise God. Not, not while we was praying. We did all that praying. 
Right. And, uh, he, he came out of it when he saw that straight jacket. Maybe the prayers hit him then or something. But uh, to God be the glory that he got his mind back together. So when we got back home, mother, mama was there. So my brother was like, hey, mama, you know, you should have been able to pray for Donnie. Why you got to call us to pray in the middle of the night? Not that we mind coming, but you ought to be able to get a prayer through. And she was like, yeah, you're right about that. You ought to be able to say, and, uh, and, uh, and then we asked the question, said, when are you going to keep hanging out with them little fake folks over there at the little fake church you go to? She said, yeah, them folks, they need help. I said, we ain't talking about them folks, we're talking about you. Let's go. This my mama, right? So she said, uh, I said, matter of fact, mama, I ain't never seen you on your knees. I said, why don't you get on your knees right now? She said, why don't we? And she got saved just like that. That's how she got saved. And she's been saved ever since for years, 30-something years or something mm. later. You know, uh, she's still saved and loving the Lord, 89 years old, still strong. Praise God. So that's that's part of my life. And then, then I ended up um, going into business for myself. Uh, we went into business. I actually started acting a fool, went to the joint, lost some um, lost precious time and everything. Thank God he didn't split my head down to the white meat to kill me. Then I got saved again around 2000 and really started doing right, really started doing right. And then um, I got uh, got to Indianapolis. It didn't have nothing because I had to pay for old stuff. So I ended up coming to Indianapolis with about 50 bucks in a hotel room from the joint. You know, they made me go to the joint even though I stopped doing wrong. It was like old stuff. You still going down, you dig? So now I'm saved and doing right. Matter of fact, I never got locked up while I was a devil. Then I get saved and get locked up. Imagine that. But that's because God be testing, you know, see what kind of attitude you're going to have and he want to use you. So he used me so much in, in prison. Tamir was coming in. People was coming in to, to the prison talking about, hey, man, I was thinking about committing suicide. I came over. Over here and heard y'all singing. You know, we was in prison singing songs. I had a praise team and a whole nine. And um, matter of fact, when we got ready to go, I had so much I had so much favor when I was in jail. People called me one day into the uh, to the room where the people are, uh, like the administrative office where you never go as no prisoner. So I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. This ain't no execution, is it? You did. So I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, what's up with that? So I get over to the room and they pull me around the corner where they work. Hand me the phone. I say, what? They say, one of your friends wanted to say happy birthday to you. Oh. I say, huh? One of my friends was calling me, a girl named Lisa I grew up with. They let me in an administrative office to take a private phone call to say happy mm -hmm. birthday to somebody. Bro, you can't explain nothing like that. That's why I said you'll never see me on here trying to steal no glory because you can't get, that ain't nothing but grace and mercy. It's inexplicable, you know, because we got an unreasonable God. That was unreasonable. You dig? That's why I serve an unreasonable God. Because he gave me unreasonable, bountiful blessings. I just closed the deal this week. What we made last week, we did $100,000. And a lady gave me the house. She wouldn't even take my money. She wouldn't mm -hmm. even take money. That's, that's the kind of things that happen to you when you serve an unreasonable God. And you, got, and you got unreasonable obedience. And you got unreasonable expectations. I don't want nothing reasonable. Because reasonable is too slow for me. Reasonable is too mundane for me. Reasonable, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't going to make the mark. I got too many people to help. Too many places to go, too many deals to close, too many folks to help get saved, too many people's lives to help turn around to be living a reasonable life. I don't want no predictable, mundane, reasonable, boring, um, over the hill, project relocated, Jerry Carroll Juice just released, just released um, project relocated, um, sweet Kool-Aid drinking, boring life. I don't want that. You know, I want the kind of life where if, when I get up, God is like, man, the things I just did for you, why aren't you on your face right now? You need to be on your face, brother. You need to be spread out because you don't deserve none of that. You know, all that stuff that just happened to you. So I made it out to penitentiary. I got to, to Indianapolis, Indiana, and only had $50 in a hotel room. I was sitting over in a, across the street from the hotel one day, 
And this guy saw me read my Bible in Burger King. He said, I said, how you doing, my brother? He said, man, I'm doing great. He said, man, where are you from? I said, I'm from Chicago. He said, what? He said, man, I know you weren't from here. I said, why you say that? He said, because you, uh, because you spoke to me. I said, <laughs> I said, that's how people act in Indianapolis. They're that cold, they don't speak. He said, man, uh, how you doing? I said, brother, I'm doing great. I said, I live across the street. I said, if you really want to know my story, I'm here from the penitentiary. I don't have no money. I don't know nobody. All right. I said, but I do know Jesus and he knows everybody. I said, so I'm not worried about nothing. I'm not worried about being violated. I'm not worried about going back to jail. I'm not worried about not having nowhere to live because my father owned the whole world. So I know he's going to take care of all of that. That brother reached in his pocket, Corey gave, uh, uh, gave me a $50 bill. He reached mm-hmm. in his pocket, gave me a $50 bill. I never knew the dude. He wasn't no sissy either, Doc. Don't get it twisted, all right? He was a righteous dude, all right? He gave me a $50 bill. And uh, you can say sissy. Can you say that? I know everybody's trying to be politically. No, you good. You good. We keep it real out here. But I, don't, but I don't get out like that. So sorry if you got to bleep it out. So anyway, he uh, so, so the dude gave me a $50 bill, right? And he said... Um, he said, man, if you need anything else, you let me know. He said, can I bring a bike by your room, man, so you can just have a bike to ride? I said, bruh. I said, that's cold-blooded. I appreciate that, man. He let me live in his house. He let me live in his house. I had nowhere to live. Let me live there for a couple of years and go to school and get a business degree. I got a, I got a GED and a joint. 47 years old before I ever had a GED. I got a GED and a joint. And he gave me. And I, and I got out of there. And because of him, I was able to go to school and almost get straight A's. Um, mm. Because I never had a problem with school. I never had a problem with, with um learning anything like that. I just thought it was for suckers. But I would, but I went for two years because I knew that way I, a parole dude would leave me alone. I said, if I go to school for a couple of years, this guy will leave me alone. Then when I get through with him, then I can maybe start a business or a company or something. And um, so one thing led to another and I started doing my stage plays. And <laughs> the stage plays weren't making money, but they was blessing a lot of people, helped a lot of people, helped a lot of people, helped a lot of people. We did one show where we was helping people with violent crimes. In 2016, because his young brother, he got shot in the head. His name was DeAndre. His mother's name is DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Yates. And she's a proponent now. She's an advocate, she's an advocate for mothers whose kids been shot. And um, DeAndre was at a party. He's 13 years old, a house party. You know, he's just in a house party, just trying to, you know, just what they do at a house party. He's trying to have his fun, right? Just trying to get a slow dance on. Play another slow jam. This time, make it sweet. <laughs> On a slow jam. So he's down there trying to get a slow dance on. Some little punk get attitude. Remind, get attitude. Leave out, go get his pistol like these little punks do today. All right? Ain't never had a fight, want to shoot somebody. Little punk swing like girls. Ain't never had a fight. So he come back with his gun, spray the joint up, shoot DeAndre in the head. It take eight surgeries to glue DeAndre's head back together. All right? He was 13 years old. He's around 20 now. And he's still walking around with a diaper on. Can't even talk. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have you gotta have people looking after looking after him in a facility 24 hours a day because this little punk got attitude over nothing, no doubt. Come back and shoot an innocent little boy. And um, so we did a play when I heard his mother telling a story. We did a play, uh, we did our hustler show, and in, in those three days, we just gave us some money. So um, after the show was over with, this young man came to my house named Glenn. He said, Hey man, did you did you put on that show? I said, sure did. He said, did you train all those actors? I said, I sure did. He said, man, that was spectacular, man. You ought to be rich. I said, hallelujah. I said, what you got in mind, dog? He said, man, I can show you how to do some real estate with no money down. I said, great, because I ain't got no money. You know, I said, so that sounds like a great plan for me, because I ain't got no dog on money. And uh, hey, Ebony, how you doing, baby? That's okay. Ebony, it's my daughter. Ebony just um, bogarting her way into the video. Uh, she's, she's, uh, <laughs> She's an artist and a singer as well, my daughter is, right here in Atlanta, Georgia. 
So I said, uh, what do you have in mind? He said, real estate with no money. I said, great. He spent two hours with me, Lamont. I went out and did a real estate deal. I've been working at a little warehouse. They fired me from there. I went out and did a real estate deal and I made more money in two weeks than he was going to pay me for the whole year. Mm. Two, two whole weeks. Then I grabbed a couple of my actors and I took them to Muhammad Ali's funeral so they could see his funeral. I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spend my time snatching these dudes from the hood and teaching them what life is really about so they could see the whole world and know that it ain't that little five mile radius that they live in because I was mad about what happened to Loki Andre and I'm still mad about it. You dig what I'm saying? Still mad about it. So the reason, one of the things that I can put on my plays, do whatever I want to do because I got my own money, you know, call my own shots, control my own destiny. You dig what I'm saying? That's why my book is called Control Everything, Don't Own Nothing. That's why I wrote this book, Control Everything, Don't Own Nothing. What we need is we need to learn how to be in control. And God has given us control. Matter of fact, he's given us dominion and authority over everything. And he just wants us to walk and talk and behave like the kings that we are. So if you fast forward to now, I went from just doing real estate deals. Next, I bought a, I bought a church after that. You know, I bought a I bought a house. I bought a church after that. I, I bought another crib. I paid ten thousand dollars for it. I sold it for forty five thousand dollars in two days. And then uh, one day I was out taking a family to go get something to eat because the Bible says, "When was I hungry and you fed me? Naked and you clothed me? Sick or in prison and you came to visit me? When you do it to the least of these, you've done it to me." So that's what I do all day. That's my that's what I wake up for. You know what Jesus said to do. I'm a Jesus disciple. That means that Jesus just tell me what to do. If you want to call me a Jesus punk. Yeah, cool. He can pump me. He can tell me whatever he want me to do. All right. Because I'm up under his thumb. You know, he got me in check. He can do whatever he can. He can slap me around and call me Susan if he want to. All right. Because I'm going to do what Jesus said. But what I ain't going to do is I ain't going to do what the devil said. And I definitely ain't going to do what you're talking about if you ain't talking about Jesus. All right. So if you ain't talking about Jesus, you can move around and get in the, and, 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 uh, get in the wind and get to stepping to the moving traffic, whatever you want to do. Because if it don't match up with Jesus, then I ain't down with it. So at this point in my life, um, this is what I'm doing. I'm making sure that I, every day when I get up, I'm looking for who's in trouble, who can I help, who's in trouble, who's in, who can I help, who's in trouble, who can I help. And because of that, God just pours money into my account like you wouldn't believe, just inexplicably, unexplainable money. Now, I'm doing the businesses. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm working, I'm taking care of business and I'm very regimented, do the same things every day and all of that. But to God be the glory, I have no business being here talking to you right now. No business in a position that we end up here in a suite in Midtown, looking out over an incredible Midtown where they're doing billions of dollars worth of work with my daughter who works with me and who's my predecessor, who's my protege and who um, who's learning every single thing it is that I do. We have no business being ballers and shot callers like this. It ain't nothing but, it ain't nothing but, it ain't nothing but the grace of God, bro. I hope that got you up to speed. Oh, amen, amen. That's a, a major testimony. He brought you from 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 broke to, to doing it all in his will. And the blessing of the Lord make it rich, add no sorrow. That's a that's a the best example right there. You went from pimping to jail to being blessed with an opportunity to go to school by living in some place that you didn't you didn't know what what was gonna happen to you. You didn't know nothing. You weren't scared of nothing, but you just like, hey, I, I met you at the at the, at the restaurant across the street. I didn't know you from Adam. You got a chance to go to school, got your stuff together. Then you met somebody else that led you to real estate, which led you to learn how to build true wealth by trusting in the Lord with all your heart, not leaning to your own understanding. You could have led to your own understanding this entire time, but you stay true to the course. Know that God had a plan for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you what expected in. And you knew that 
regardless, all things gonna work for my good, led you to being a renowned speaker, author, uh, play writer, play organizer, wealth coach, and now you teach other people how to trust God so that they can be wealthy too as well. That's amazing. Bless we his wonderful name. Stories. We Bless his hear this. Bless his wonderful name. And give him all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. And because um, <clears throat> it don't be for him, I ain't nothing but one crazy thought away from uh, tricking off again. So I'm just grateful, brother. Extremely grateful. And you you described that um, impeccably well. You can tell that you're an incredible podcaster, brother Lamont. <laughs> glory to God. I just I'm just here to try to be a vessel. That and that's one of the main things that I had to learn in this short period I've been on this earth is that when you allow God to use you. He just take you because he made you for a specific reason. Each and every last one of us has a purpose and he yes, gave sir. us our skills and our talents to accomplish the assignment that he sent us here to accomplish. He didn't give us our gifts, skills and talents to brag about it. He didn't give us our gifts, skills and talents to act like we are better than other people. He just gave us our gifts and skills because he knew, hey, I'm about to send Rick. I'm about to send your spirit down and being in his body so that you can teach these people how to do this, or you can steer these people to do this. Lamont, I'm about to send you down here to earth. I'm going to put you in this body, and this is how we're going to handle this. You're going to meet Rick. Rick, he's going to steer you in a bit different way, and then you're going to steer other people in a different way. Until we learn to be used like the pieces that we are in this game called life, we always going to be lost in a sense because we never truly going to know our purpose if we don't yield to the will of God. Because yes. if we call him our Lord, that means he own us. Mm -hmm. That means your Lord, you got to do whatever it say. Your landlord say, you owe me $700 worth of rent. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pay that $700 worth of rent, what are you going to do? He going to kick you out. But we got an opportunity to have a Lord that's going to give us chance after chance Grace by grace, show us how to live by faith and not by sight. Yes, sir. To get to our expected end. Yes, sir. Well, you said something that's so important, Lamont. You said you introduced the concept that I introduced to everybody about wealth, and that's the concept. That's the concept of leverage. <laughs> if it's one thing that everybody that does, everybody that's wealthy believes in leverage. Everybody, mm -hmm. no exceptions. All wealthy people believe in leverage. <clears throat> we believe in leverage in other people's time and having people leverage us as well. See, it's one thing that a person needs to understand, and that's in order to be immensely successful, you have to first be a servant, which means that not only are you willing to leverage other people, but first you want to be leveraged, all right? In other words, you know, uh, Bill Willis said, I'm going to spread the news, said if it feels this good being used, oh, you just keep on using me, oh, so the idea is that I'm going to spread the news if it feels this good being used. See, people don't understand how good it feels to be used mm. because they're so busy trying to use somebody. So they, it's something, it's a feeling that's eluded them because they don't understand that Jesus said that him that's greatest amongst you be a servant. So Jesus is like, all of the real joy is in serving the person first. That's why I believe in um, 
and, and pulling out my six shooter, putting out, pull, pulling out six bullets and putting in my 38 that's looped, six and 38, all right? Uh-huh, get your 38 out, put your six shooter in it. And what does it say? It says, give, and it shall be given hey. to you. <laughs> Press down, shaking together, running over, in good measure, shall men give until you put So what you need to do is pull out that 38 and put them six in a holster, baby. And then every time you get that petty spirit, you need to shoot that dog on thing. You need to shoot that down. You need to slay them dragons. You need to, you need to name that devil and tame that dog on devil. Amen. Name that devil and tame that dog. And when that petty spirit come out, that's why I'm a wealth coach because I teach people how to get rid of petty spirits. I'm like, the problem mm. with you, brother, the problem with you, my sister, is that you have some spirits that are taking reign inside of your being. All right. They are let, they are posted up like Shaq getting three second violations up in you. All right. Mm. All right. They they not going. They ain't going nowhere with the attitude you got. You know, to pull out your six shooter, lit loop six and thirty eight, and shoot them demons down. Name them devils and shoot them devils down. So the way that you do that is just immediately start giving from where you are. Give more of your time. Give more of your energy. Do like what you're doing. You know, you you met me and you say, brother Rick, I just like to, you know, just like you come and tell your story. Maybe you can help somebody. So just the action, just this activity that you're doing right here, you have no choice but to be blessed. You see, if you don't, if you're not blessed from this activity, then God is a liar. But the Bible says by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. When he can swap on no greater, he just swap by himself. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiply, and I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained a promise. So after you patiently endure it, you're gonna endure, you're gonna attain the promise too, because God is not a man that he should lie to the son of man that he should repent. He said, Have I not said it? Am I not able to make it good? He said, I'm gonna make it good, God. I ain't never welched on a bet. If we was gambling and you had and you put down 75 trillion and asked me, could I fade that? God is like, I can fade that. You say, well, Lord, I got 75,000 trillion. You say, I can fade that too. Say, Lord, I want to bet, I want to bet six or seven planets. He said, there ain't nothing, six or seven planets in my pinky finger. Uh, I can fade that too. I'm too high to get over. I'm too wide to get around. I'm too low to go up under, baby. You might as well come in at the door because I can fade anything you do, but I'm unfadeable because I have not heard. You have not. I, uh, I have not seen, he have not heard, neither has it even entered into the hearts of man. The good things that God has prepared for them who love him, but he has revealed it unto us through his spirit. And Isaiah put it this way. He said, has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding and his ways are just past finding out. See, he's an inexplicable God. He's an unreasonable God. And that's why I love him because the love that he's put to me is just unreasonable. I don't know it. I don't mean I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I deserve it. I don't know why Jesus loves me. And I don't know why he cares. You know what, Brother Lamar? I don't know why he, he sacrifices a life. Oh, but I'm glad. See, I'm glad he did. I don't know why. I'm just glad he did, bro. And I'm glad to know you too. I don't know why you love me so much either, but I love you back, Doc. You <laughs> <laughs> too, man. <laughs> hey, that's impeccable, though, because when we think about it, we really don't even understand the love that God really, truly has for us. We, we so many times we try to use God. We don't even pay attention that he doing all these things because he love us. And what did he say? He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Come on. 
And it's so funny that we just live life each and every day trying to see what we can get from God instead of be servants and find out what we can do to assist him with what he what he want to do on this earth. Because he, he don't need people to do things, but he need people to do things. But if we wake up, wake up each and every day trying to just get, 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 and not shoot them 38s like you said and give, we're going to lose. Because if I'm waking up each day to not serve, I'm being selfish. And I'm also not even doing anything because I'm not even here to try to assist nobody or complete no type of assignment. Come on, come on. You know, you shoot yourself in the foot. Either you shoot down on petty spirits or you shoot yourself in the foot, you know, and you walk with a limp for no reason, you dig. So uh, falling in love with Jesus is absolutely the best thing I've ever done. And and the best best thing I continue to do too, because it's a continuous love effect, you know. And if you, if there's a couple of words in the Bible, in mind that if that we really need to understand, and this is the difference between being able to put cheese on a waffle and being broken and stuck in a truck and a, and a pickup truck like Chuck and, and uh, can't bust a grape in a tractor. This is the difference between being a buster and being a baller. All right, it's a difference. Can I can I share it with you? The difference yes, between sir. being a buster and being a baller. It's a big difference between being a buster and being a baller. And the difference is the two words if and let. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Let us." He said, come now and let us reason together. He said, though your sin be red like crimson, I'll make it white as snow. He said, if you let me, okay? If you let me. That's why I wrote the song that says you, I'm a child, I believe in you. You don't have to run around trying to figure out what to do. Just take my hand, I'll lead you to the promised land. I'll give you the desires of your heart. If you let me see, this is a let me thing. So let is a very important word. And if is an important word. He said, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. He said, I hear from heaven and I heal the land. If, he said, if any man come after me, if any man shall be my disciple, you got to first deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me daily. It's an if thing. And it's a let thing. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man let me in, then will I come in and sup with him and him with me. It's one war that God can't win with you. That's a tug of war over your will. If you're on this side of your will and God is on this side, even though he got muscles for days and muscles for ages, even though he's the ancient of days and the strongest being in the whole hemisphere and the whole trophosphere, the whole stratosphere, the whole mesosphere and the whole thermosphere and some spheres that ain't been defined yet, even though God is all in the bag of chips, it's one battle that he can't win. He can't win the battle over your will. If it's a tug of war, you're going to always pull him over the line because he's not going to take away your free will because he only deals, this is a volunteer army. He's like everybody in this army is a volunteer. So when we find ourselves not being able to serve the way that we ought to serve, it's just because we just ain't let him have his way. And it's just because we don't believe in the ifs. It's the person that feels entitled. That's why the Bible said, deliver me from presumptuous sins. Presumptuous sins mean feeling like I just got something coming. I just presume it's okay. That's when I walk up in the front and sit down and they tell me, them seats taken, brother. You need to go back in the back. Mm. All right, work your way to the back. You ain't, a, you ain't nobody. You know, you ain't no baller, no shot caller. What in the world are you doing up here, partner? Them seats. And don't you see that reserve sign? <laughs> back up, what you said? 50 feet. What you say? Back up, give me 50 feet. Back up and give us 50 feet. All right, get back there and sit down someplace 
in the dumb corner over there because you ain't got you presuming you got something coming. And that's what's wrong with this generation. This, this generation is a presumptuous generation. They feel like somebody owes them something you dig, and they don't understand that it's a let and an if gospel that we live by, if that makes sense. No, definitely. So when it comes to the if and let, how can you how can you utilize this in your daily walk if you're not trying at the point in time? But you 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 want to walk the proper way. You want to you say you want to be rich. You say you want to be wealthy. And you finally understand that this not working out by me living by my will. How do you utilize those principles of if and let? All right. Well, let the first thing is that. The Bible says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So the remedy of everything is the word of God. The word of God is the remedy of all our sicknesses, all our diseases, all of our bad habits, all of our trifling ways, all of that foolishness, the word of God. That's why the Bible says, and the, and the word became flesh. And our word is supposed to be our flesh. You know? In other words, I had a guy, for example, he, he, um, a guy named Todd. He wanted to buy this crib from me that one of my students brought up. So my, my student found a house because I got a system to show me everybody that's selling houses. Don't nobody even know they sell them, right? So this lady had a crib that was in foreclosure. So my, my, my student found a house. So we bought it from her. Not with no money. We didn't need no money. We, didn't, we did the deal with no money. So so we just wrote our contract for the house. <clears throat> so so uh, well, we wrote a contract with her for one, I don't know, 25, something like that. So, um, so we... Um, so a guy came and looked at it because we got another system that shows everybody want to buy. So he sent one message, we press one button, it goes out to everybody simultaneously. All of a sudden they got a line over there, like we selling crack, right? Trying to get in there and buy this house. So so they so the, this one guy goes in and he calls me because my student told him to call me. So they say, he says, Hi Rick. I said, I said, hey, how you doing? My name's Todd Rick. I said, hey Todd, how you doing? I said, Rick, um, <laughs> <laughs> I said, Rick, I'm in a house right here and uh, I, I really like it. I said, I bet you do. It's a nice crib. He's like, yeah. I, I, and I, I just don't want to get into a bidding war. I was wondering if I can make an offer, you know. I said, we sell it for 150 He said, well, if I can make a full price offer, you know, could I have it? I said, Todd, if you send me over, if you sign the papers today and send me the money tomorrow, and I won't sell it to nobody else. So he said, oh, oh but I, I got to get finance, Rick. I said, that don't bother me. I said, how many days you need? He said, 30 days at the, at the least. I said, okay, Todd. I said, you send over the earnest money tomorrow. We good. So he hangs up. So a few minutes later, a lady called me and said, hey, Rick, we're in, we're in the house over here. We heard you're the guy to call. I said, hey, how you doing? How can I help you? They said, we, we want to buy it. I said, it's too late. They said, what? Well, no, we got cash. We can close in a few days. Uh-huh. And we'll pay you more. So now they're trying to bribe me, right? See, but one thing, you know what I'll do, Lamont? I don't take money that don't belong to me. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's a covetous spirit. And when you covet something that don't belong to you, what you do is you sell out for those two little wooden nickels, and then the big money that just go right by you because you, you're breaking God's law. I said everything is in the Bible. And as long as you just abide by the Bible, you ain't got no choice but to be prosperous. It's impossible. You know, so that's why I said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So when she told me that, I already got the word of God dwelling in me richly. It's rich in me. It's fertile soil. So when a person tells me something that don't match up with the word of God, it's just going one in out the other. You dig what I'm saying? So if you want to know, if a person wants to understand how to get the, the victory over what's wrong with you, what's wrong with you is you're too duplistic. That's what's wrong with you. You're double-minded and you're unstable. Hey, and you, 
and you want to be nickel slick and manipulative. So when somebody tell you something, you sell out for those two little wood nickels, those two little three little wood nickels, because you trust in them riches and stuff. You're not trusting in God. But when the word of God is inside of you, then you realize you'll turn that down because you understand if I accept this, I got to turn God down. Now, if I turn God down, now, 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 you know, now my pants, now I got a pair of some holes in the back of my pants. My butt is out. You dig what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, ain't got, I ain't got nobody black. Now I'm mooning everybody everywhere I go. They walking around talking about, hey man, why don't you put some, why don't you cover them pants up? Because that's what's wrong with y'all. Y'all mooning people. You walking around mooning people because God didn't cut the back of your pants and your butt is out. Your butt is out because you don't keep your word because you think you don't, you think you can have God and have your word too. Or in other words, you can have God and have your way too. And God is not with that duplistic behavior. So I told her, it ain't, it ain't enough money in the world you can give me. You know. So then dig this. We found out that we had misjudged how much the lady owed on her house because we hadn't got a real payout. So then it cut the profit like in half. So I called him and I said, we just realized that we made a mistake. He over there like, dang, he's going to hit me. I said, but we ain't going to change your price. He said, huh? I said, we're not going to change your price. I said, it's the exact same price I told you before because I should have known that already. That's not your fault. All right. I said, so we're going to do the same thing we said we was going to do for you before. We're not going to call nobody else and accept nobody else's money. And we're not going to raise the price on you. Not $1. I just eat it. Okay. Now, I'll give you an example of how this goes when you let, that's letting the word of God dwell richly in you. So that's one scenario, right? So let me give you the $100,000 scenario that just happened um, that we just closed on, um, on what, the 13th, 15th, or something like that this month. So uh, the last month here. So the way that that happened, do you have time to listen to this? I'm sorry. Yes, sir. Okay, so the way that this happened is that one of my students found a house and uh, and a guy, and I said, did you call that guy back about that house he wanted to sell? So he called him. The guy sold it to us for $22,500. We sold it for $48,500 in, um, $48, in two days. All right. So I sent a message to the guy who, I, so I went to meet the guy who we bought the house from. I said, you know anybody else around here might want to sell their house? So he said, yeah, we got one right down the street that somebody might want to sell. I said, okay, cool. So I called a lady. Excuse me. It was an estate with a pool and everything. So she says, I really don't want to sell a house, sir. Everybody calls me all the time asking me about this house. She said, I'm a cancer survivor, you know, for 15 years. And I just haven't had time to deal with it. My husband died. She said, I'm the pastor of a church. She said, I went from the penitentiary to being a pastor. Mm. She started testifying, right? And the more she testified, the more she testified. Me and her having a good time now, right? I forgot all about the house. We just praising God. She talking about beating cancer and all that. I just told you about my little sister and cancer and, I, and how, you know, so my heart, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm like all in with what she's talking about. And then finally she starts explaining. I said, what church did you say? She told me the name of it. I said, and what's your name again? She said, my name is Jackie. I said, Jackie, do you know who you're talking to? She said, no. I said, this brother Ricky Williams. I just sang at your church. I don't know how many times. She said, what? I said, I, I said, yeah. I said, oh, so now we both hollering, shouting, praising God and all of that. So we forget all about the house, right? We just started praying for it. I just started praying for it. I said, I rebuke that cancer in the name of Jesus. You're going to live and you're not going to die. And we, hey. just start, we just start going in, right? So we're having a great time. And I forget all, and, and the conversation's over. So she called me back about, I don't know, a month and a half later, two months. She said, uh, Rick, Brother Rick, I said, hey, Jackie, how you doing? She said, great. She said, come and get the keys to this house. I said, excuse me? She said the house. She said they keep calling me about this house. It's got a whole bunch of liens against it, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars worth of liens. She said you probably can get them off the brother because you got favor. I said, I'm, yeah, probably so. She said, so I'm tired of them calling me and stuff. I don't even want to be bothered with it no more. Come and get it. I said, mm-hmm. come and get it. 
She said, yeah. I said, well, how much you want? She said, nothing. I wouldn't even take no money if you tried to give it to me. I said, huh? She said, I already signed the papers. You coming to get them, boy? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> so I went and signed the paperwork, and I, and I hired some people. They got all the stuff up off of it, and I just sold it. We paid $100,000 off of it. And, um, and she went and, uh, and, and, and profit, made $100,000 worth of profit off of it, and I never paid a penny. And I went, just paid a little back taxes off of it. So what's my point? My point is because I won't, won't take bribes on one hand, you can't have them both ways, okay? You got to live by faith and you got to let the word of God dwell in you richly. And the only way that you're going to have a constitution is because the word of God is what makes you do what you do. And it's just inside of you, embedded inside of you. The psalmist said, thou word if I hid away in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So this is the idea that, so when stuff come up, temptations come up, you know, bribes come up and their pettiness come up and people trying to give you a couple of little wooden nickels and all that sort of thing and throw you off your game and stuff. You're like, no, nah, I'm a multimillionaire. I'll get out like that. Mm. I'm a multimillionaire, billionaire, soon to be trillionaire. You know, that's the attitude that you got to take because God owns all of that. So the only thing that can separate me from the money is me separating myself from God. No deal on that player. All right. So if God say to do something, you got a simple life. I do it. If you say don't do something, I got a simple life. I rebuke it. And if I trick off, I get on my knees quick, you know, and make some restitution. That's the way a king does. You don't act like it's cool and it ain't cool. You're like, all right, Lord, you saw that. That was foul, you know, but I ain't about to live like that. You dig what I'm saying? So that's what I would recommend to the person that ain't winning. The person that ain't winning, you ain't winning because you're sinning. Stop sinning, you'll start winning. <laughs> hey, that's why he said, he said, you can't trust it. He said, either you going you gonna live for money you're gonna live for me. Like you can't you can't serve two masters. And he didn't say, and then Paul didn't say that money is the root of all evil. It's so funny. We 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 get that so wrong in church so much. Like they say, well, you know, money root of all evil. Money say, for the love of money is the root of all evil. For the love of money means that you'll do anything for it because why? Because you love it. That's why you can't serve two masters. He didn't say that you can't have money and serve God. He just said you can't serve money and you can't serve God. You can't do anything for the money. You just gave us a prime example where you could have probably made that 50000 to seventy five, maybe even $100,000 on that front end when the lady offered it to you because she was trying to make her profit right quick. But you kept your word, stood on the word of God, you gave that man his price, even though it did not work in your favor. That was the devil. The devil going to try to throw a, a, a screw into your machine every time trying to mess it up. So now you you only made $25,000 off the deal. But that $25,000 was just a seed. They planted and harvested years later, and you made $100,000 off of a deal in a few days, and you ain't do no work. All you did was pray for the lady. That's it. That's it. it. Didn't want nothing either. Didn't she didn't want, want nothing. nothing. She, not that you didn't. Not that you didn't owe her anything. It's she didn't want nothing. Now do you remember? Let me let me say, say this to you. When there's a transfer of wealth taking place, the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Mm. A, good man, a good man leaves a heritage to his children's children. Think about it. When you solve people's problems, see her problem wasn't money. Okay, the house that she had, she had so much favor. Somebody gave her the house she was living in because I mm. went to her house and visited her. Brought my kids over and we all prayed together, all right? So I went to visit her because she had bad mama jamma. She ain't no joke, all right? And just her spirit, her attitude, fighting that cancer was such a great spirit. She's a champion, all right? So money wasn't a problem, okay? Money wasn't an issue, all right? 
All she wanted was some, another brother in her life. That's all she wanted, just somebody else that she can pray with sometimes and encourage sometimes. And I went in her living room and she prayed for me. She said, brother, everything you touch gonna turn and go. This is her, this is one fighting cancer, fighting for her life, giving me a building. And don't just give me a building, but comes in, I walk in the house and she said, brother, everything you touch is, is gonna turn and go. She said, you got an international show you're gonna be on real soon. Matter of fact, you're gonna be running international shows. You're gonna be needed and sought after clear across the world. This one to start going in. All right. While we were sitting there talking, why she's fighting cancer. All mm. I did was came over to hug her neck and say, Jackie, I love you so much. Just to come, so good to come and see you in person because you are so inspiring. I just want to come and see you and say hi, take you to lunch and all that sort of thing. I'm over there. She's going in, bro. You know why? Because we have projects. We have, we have people's, we have to answer to people's prayers. And if you just try to mind your own business, people are going to snatch you up. All right. So that, that's what they did to Joseph. Joseph was just trying to mind his own business in a local Egyptian county jail. Pharaoh is having a dream. Pharaoh's dream is so dead, is so jacked up, he's having nightmares. He's sweating like a murder suspect. You dig <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he's having a seriously hard time. So he called all his boys together, but they practice witchcraft, so they don't know what's going on. They ain't got no real juice. They ain't talking to the God of heaven and earth. So Pharaoh's like, these mocks, you know, these mocks help me, man. I'm over here sweating, man. You dig what I'm saying? I need alpha cells. I need some Pepto-Bismol. You know what I'm saying? I need some turmeric and I need some sea moss and, uh, and uh, anything else y'all come over here with. I'm sweating like a murder suspect. These dreams is killing me. And then, uh, then the butler said, oh, man. He said, you know what, Pharaoh? He said, I forgot. When I was down in a local Egyptian jail, it was a cat named Joseph down there. And Joseph, a bad man. He said, he'll come and tell you your dream because he straight up told me I was going to be back in your good graces. He told the, he told the baker he's going to get his head chopped off and showing sure up, it happened just like he said. He said, this cat, he got the goods. If you, if you let, if you holler at him. So they went and got Joseph, right? They cleaned him up, brought him up, brought him in front of the Pharaoh. He just mind his own business. See, this is what happened when you mind, when you mind in God's business, people just come for you. All right. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't, send, he didn't get no clemency. He didn't ask the governor to do nothing and all this sort of thing. The pharaoh, the, the person who run the whole country, sent for him. See, when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. Mm. All right? So here's Joseph, and he calls Joseph to the front, and, Joe, and he say, Joe, I heard you was a bad man with these dreams. Joseph say, hey, back up off me. Like you said, give me 50 feet. He says, God, that be revealing dreams. Don't get it twisted. He said, but if you, he said, but God will tell you. He said, oh, for sure, he'll tell you what's going on. You want me to drop it like it's hot? Pharaoh was like, drop it like it's hot. You want me to drop it like it's hizzy? He said, drop it like it's hizzy. He said, well, I'm going to drop it like it's hizzy. So he, so he told Pharaoh what his dream was all about. And when he got through, Pharaoh was like, whoa. Pharaoh knew he was telling the truth, you know? And uh, and Joseph said, so what I would do if I was you, he said, I guess somebody's got some sense to chop all that paper up because you're going to be super rich, doc. You're going to be the richest dude in the world. They're going to be coming at you from all over the planet. You got it going on to the break of dawn. You ain't new here. You grew here. You get out without a frown. They gonna, everybody else going to have to move around. You the man, Pharaoh. And Pharaoh say, man, uh, he say, so hire somebody. Pharaoh say, you got the job, bro. So this is what happened when, when your ways please God. You get, you get jobs. You don't even apply for mm. Joseph didn't apply for no job. He was just telling the man what happened. I didn't apply for no house. You just gave it to me. You did. When, you, when a person's ways please the Lord, you ain't got to be worried about how things going to work out. All you got to do is make sure that your ways please the Lord. That's what you got control over. You don't have control over nothing else. You did. You can influence the stuff that happens around you, but you can't control it. So that's my recommendation, everybody. Let God have his way. Give you the desires of your heart. If you what? If you let me. So you got to let them. It's a volunteer army. Be a gentleman about your life, be a gentlewoman about your life, be a king about your life, be a queen about your life and allow somebody to be your king 
allow somebody to be your guide, allow somebody to be your shepherd, because the Lord is my shepherd. That's why I shall not what? Won't. You better preach, bro. Man, he said, give you the desires of your heart. And it's so funny that we look at that in a sense of our desires now. When we allow God to work on us and we yield to his will, he starts to transform our heart. They say, the Bible say, who knows the heart for his wicked? So we want God to transform our hearts, transform our desires to the point that where we like, yeah, I don't want to just go out of the country and be on this boat with all these women. That's not my desires no more. Because that's not what he's going to bless. He's not going to give you the desires of your heart. He's not gonna, that's not him blessing you with that. That's the enemy trying to distract you. So once yeah. he transforms you and your will matches his, it's like an alignment thing. And then it just starts happening. And then you're yeah. like, I don't even know what happened. You just know that the blessing of the Lord make it rich <laughs> and oh. add no sorrow. That means you ain't got to work for it. You just said it. You get jobs that you ain't apply for. You get houses you ain't even even try to put on your credit. You start getting money in your bank account that you don't got room to receive. Why? Because you just trust in the Lord all your Because you serve. See, it's a, it's a, this is a do it gospel. This ain't no talking about it. It's Amen. A do it, you know, and people so cold and callous today, they don't care about, they don't care about people. They want the end result. You know, it's a song that says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Mm. Everybody want to go to heaven, but nobody want to die. So they want the result of an uncommitted life. They want a result of a committed life, living an uncommitted life. And that's not going to happen. You're not going to get the results of commitment unless you commit it. You know, as simple as that is, you know, that nickel slick stuff ain't going to work. I don't know who, people <laughs> rolling up on God, like he's slow or something like that. He don't get down like that. All right. So, so <laughs> Put your work in. Work. You gotta put your work in, man. So it's a let you're right. You're right about the let me thing. And um, as far as money is concerned, and people get their businesses together and all of that, um, the key is is, is uh, going back to leverage. Leverage is first be willing to be used. You know, the number one thing that you can give people, the reason you're gonna be immensely successful, you Lamont, I'm speaking into your life, the reason you're gonna be immensely successful is because you give a person the number one thing you ought to give a person. Your attention. Given it shall be given unto you. Hmm. Press down, shaking together, running open, good measure should be given to your bosom. So when you give people your attention, your undivided attention, like me and you're talking, and there is no phone activity taking place in the background. There is no texting folk and this and that and all that sort of thing. You have my undivided attention and I have yours. And because we're treating one another like that, like the kings that we are, we have no choice but to have a tremendous promotion just from this meeting alone. Hmm. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Yes, sir. Just from this meeting alone, just because you would give a person your undivided attention without, if it's one thing that bothers me, Brother Lamont, is when I'm talking to people and they're talking to people. Mm-hmm. And especially if they had the audacity to call me, you know, especially if they had the audacity to ask for an appointment. I have very few personal appointments with people, almost none. It's all, all group coaching, you know, around the world. And uh, because I don't have time for that. It's $25,000 an hour if you want a personal appointment, okay? Or it's something that's more important than money. Like talking to you is more important than money. All right. So we'll have a long, I'm here with you until until you're tired of talking. All right. Because you're more important than money. All right. Are you listening to me, brother? You're yes, young king. You're more important than money. All right. And if I make you more important than money, then money always comes to me in grows because I got my priorities straight and you do too. So 
the first thing that you can give, if you want to be, if all y'all is listening and want to make some money, give people your attention. All right. That's the first thing you need to give people. And I mean, your undivided attention. I'm telling you, don't have no appointment with me and answer your phone. I'll walk out. Mm. You're like, I'm like, who you think you are? You ain't that important. All right. You're going to call me with your bipolar behind. You're going to call me. <laughs> and then you're so doggone frantic. You can't even get through a half an hour, or an hour, whatever the case may be. And you're going to start talking to somebody else. That put that put the G in ghetto. That's just ghetto. All right. But you gonna, I got in a, I got in a lift last night from here. And um, and uh, and a lady picked me up. I was going to get a haircut because I was trying to look a little extra smooth for you today, but so I went. So so lady. In. <laughs> so I took a lift, right? And so I get the lift, the lady don't even turn around and speak. You know, it was a sister, black girl, it was braids. So she don't even turn around and speak. She on the phone. She on now she's driving a lift. She on the phone talking to me. How much you how did, can you tell me how much my stock went up? So I'm I'm trying to have a conversation with somebody in the back, but she talking so loud, it vexed me so hard until I just I just uh, hung up the phone with the person I was talking to. I said, I'll call you back. Because first of all, this is like inexplicable. I can't believe she being ghetto like this, right? Loud. She's talking on the phone like I ain't even in the car. Never spoke, never turned around, nothing like that. Yeah, girl. Uh-huh. And then start cussing. She talking to the lady. Then the lady started cussing back. I'm like these ghetto, ghetto ghetto chicks man it's unbelievable I'm like you you at work all right ain't you got the, ain't you got the sense she was born with you at work what make you think i want to be subjected to that total disregard for me like i ain't even in the car like i want to hear that you know like that's okay and all that sort of thing i rode up behind up up so fast doc by the time i got out that car and i got it to the barbershop i was pressing them link i was, I was pressing them lift buttons so quick ghetto driver needs to be rebuked ghetto Press sin, sentence. <laughs> Just get all butt up out here with that nonsense. Oh, oh no. Act it like that. Cut that mess out, huh? I want to ask y'all a question. Why you want to be so ghetto? Why you want to act like it ain't nobody else but you in the room? Why you want to act like? Why y'all want to act like that? Y'all know that stuff ain't right, man. You're supposed to treat people with care, concern, and your undivided attention. Okay. Now, if the person want to talk to you, they get in your car, you're doing a lift. If y'all driving lifts and stuff, don't get fired because you pick me up. I'm going to help you get fired. Go ahead, bro. <laughs> no, like people that ain't paying attention to that. And, th- and that's another thing, too, because she over here worried about herself. She ain't even paying attention to her integrity or she ain't paying attention to nothing that's going on around her. She just Worried, you just said she was worried about her stock going down. Why? Because you probably invested in something that you weren't supposed to invest in because you weren't paying attention to the person who told you about it. You well, ain't you get know, all that. Land, you know what, Lamont? If you send a letter to La La Land, you know it's just going to get sent back to you, return to sender. Mm-hmm. You know, because some people live in La La Land, but La La Land ain't got no address. Send a letter to La La Land, it's going to come back to you, return to sender. Unfortunately, it's a whole bunch of people who living without an address, though. They ain't got a clue. They live in La La Land, man. You know, the song said, Ooh, la 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 Ain't got no address. I ain't got no address. I live in La La Land. <laughs> Just living. People need to come back to earth, come back to reality. And reality is that the world does not revolve around you, mm. right? That you're a servant. And that means that you need to be conscious 
of what you're doing. How many times, no matter if you go into a restaurant and the person get over there too late, food kind of cold, slow to make, they don't understand it's an ebb and a flow. It's just like selling. And I'll leave you with this idea. And if you got any more questions, you can ask me. But this is my final thought. And selling, selling is so easy to do when you are engaged with your counterpart. It's so easy to do when you are engaged with counterpart and you make millions of dollars because you easy to separate yourself from this generation. This generation, a la la land type folk. Man, when you really paying attention to somebody and you can really hear what they are talking about. When I'm doing my interviews with people, when I'm talking to people about money, I don't talk much, I'm listening to them. They're telling me everything. And then by the time they get through telling me everything, I say, yes, yeah, so I do that. How do, how do I know what to tell them? Because they told me what to tell them. They told me everything, right? And they will tell you everything. Ask a person a question. They'll talk for 25 minutes, just like you even got me. You ask me one question, I talk for 40 minutes. I'm doing it because it's legit, it's right in this, in this scenario, in this case, because you're asking me questions because you want the information. You know? So in this case, it's cool. But I, I talk very little, all right? Other than training people, I don't talk much. You know, I just listen my way to millions. You dig what I'm saying? Mm. And people, most of the people, they love to the hear themselves talk. I'm like, first of all, if you're the one doing all the talking, who's Who's getting a discovery? Who's learning anything? Not the person talking, the person that's listening. You're going to be so much better off after today because you've done very little talking. You've blessed yourself so much today. You can play this stuff back again. You can be like, you can, when you count that long paper and stuff, you'd be like, Brother Rick said, <laughs> when you count, when you're in the middle, when you're in the middle of about 75, 75 and a $1,000, thanks, Brother Rick. <laughs> Because it ain't all about the Benjamins, baby. It's about the Clevelands. The Clevelands on a dollar, thousand dollar bill, baby. Ain't about to, can't buy them with no hundred dollar bill no more. It's all about the Clevelands, baby. The, <laughs> change your songs, all right? Stop singing them old songs. Play, change your playlist. <laughs> oh. So that's my observation. Just, just thinking. I mean, just listening. Um, you can listen to your way and pay attention to people, and you can make um, more money than the law allows. If that makes sense to you, brother. Hey man, listen your way to millions. I like that. I love that actually. Listen your way to millions. That's my that's my new slogan. I'm going with that. I'm rolling with that. Listen your way to millions. So you was able to listen your way to millions, and then you was able to be an author. What's your book called again? It's um, control everything. Control everything. Own nothing. Secrets of how to wealthy legally avoid taxes. How to wealthy legally avoid lawsuits. My number one business now is not real estate. My number one business now is wealth management. And uh, so I elevated to wealth management because I always do what nobody else is doing. So I'm, I'm the only person online, on Clubhouse, on Instagram, who teaches unincorporated trust. The only one in the whole globe. Because mm. I believe in being, I believe in unreasonable results. You know, I believe in being somebody that nobody else does. That's why people who join me now become potential trust agents with me can make a whole can make tons of money because what I teach you nobody else knows so you'll be in a you'll be in such a blue ocean until you ain't got to run around begging nobody to buy it because they need you you don't need them see every time you're talking to somebody in a, in a meeting one person needs the other person they don't both need each other one person needs the other person somebody's the prize all right so if you guys are in these meetings and you're talking about I just wanted to be a win-win that ain't that stuff, win, win, what? Win, win, because most of the time you're talking to somebody, they, they version of a win ain't yours, all right? So what you really need to be is you need to be the prize. So that means that you need to learn something that the other person need more than you need them, all mm -hmm. right? Because neediness is the number one problem with salespeople. That's why they broke. 
All right, they need it. I don't know if you ever saw the flick, if you ever saw the flick, the King's Ransom, but it's a scene in there that every salesperson ought to have to watch clear across the world, right? They're trying, everybody's trying to uh, kidnap, uh, what's my man, Anthony? What's his name? Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's, such a, he's such a pompous dude. Everybody wanted to kidnap him. Mm -hmm. uh, he was so conceited and stuff. It's a funny movie, dude. And the funniest scene in the whole movie is the dude when he gets fired from the little hot dog stand. So he gets fired from the little hot dog stand, and now he want to go pawn his stuff. Remember that? He had to go pawn his stuff. So he gets to the pawn shop and the little Chinese lady behind the counter. And he was like, hey, um, how much for this? And she said, ah, $200. He said, $200? He said, for all of this? He said, come on, I'm desperate here. She said, ah, you're desperate, huh? He said, yeah. She said, $100. <laughs> She went down. The price went down. Why? Because he told her she was. He told her he was desperate. When people see that desperation in your face, man, you can't sell nobody nothing. You'd be working like a one-legged man in a blood kicking contest. Everything you cost, cost. Everything you sell, cost three bucks. Yeah, because they feel like you, they need you need them, and they don't need you. That's the worst thing in the world you can possibly do. So what I do is I teach kings and queens a posture. First of all, I give you products, teach you how to sell products that ain't nobody selling. So the person, if they act like they know about it, they're lying. All right. Okay. And you know what a liability is, don't you? Yes, sir. That's the, that's the ability to lie. <laughs> Man, what? <laughs> you, you're a liability because you're liability. Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. little brother. Lying wonder, you dig? So when I'm talking to people and they acting like they on 63rd or they on 43rd, I'm like, bro, you on 43rd, you ain't on 63rd. I saw, I saw your address when I rolled by. Now, if you want to act like you on 63rd when you're on 43rd, that means me and you ain't got nothing to do with each other because you're a liability. The only ability you got is to lie. And I don't have time for no liars, all right? The Bible say all liars don't have their part in the lake of fire. You can move around, okay? That's what you can do, okay? So you don't know what I'm talking about. And if you offend me, acting like you know what I'm talking about, then I'm gonna pass you up because I don't even need you. If you if a, if a book, if you want to read a really good book, read Oversubscribed. Okay. Read that. I believe Myron Golden told us all to read that book. And that's why I got it because he's my number one trainer, because he's a bad man. So when he said read oversubscribed, that's what I did. And oversubscribed talks about the fact that if you really got something that's really got it going on, most people, it's gonna be a group of people that's gonna get left behind. They can't get your stuff. That's why all my prices cost too much for you if you're just a regular joke. All right. I do it on purpose. You know why? So I can get rid of everybody that ain't got no money. I'm like, I don't want to. If you ain't got no money, I'm gonna, don't come at me. I'm the wrong dude. All right? Because I'm, you know, we we on a mission over here. Now, if you ain't got no money, I teach you how to get your credit straight. Okay? Because you can always borrow money with your credit. And if you like, hey, Ricky, I don't want to borrow no money. Okay, why are we still talking? All right? Okay, why are we still talking? Okay, then you gonna take up my. You gonna tell me you broke? You gonna tell me you ain't interested in having no money? What else is to talk about? I ain't no socialite. This ain't. What, I mean, what's up? Okay. All right. <laughs> you a liability. Your ability to lie. All right. So, attitude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lamont. No, I'm listening. <laughs> now, just think about it, though. Um, you have people who they don't want to do better. So, you, that's not your customers. Mm -hmm. See, we always selling this little cheap stuff, and it draws all everybody from out of every nook and cranny, every kind of roach, every kind of snake every kind of rat, every kind of body, all these demons in them and stuff, little petty demons in them, because you got to have a bunch of petty demons in you to stay broke. 
I'm from $50 in a hotel room. Don't tell me you can't come up from nothing. Come on, doc. All right, so I ain't trying to hear that. It's all mindset, all right? I had a rich mindset when I have a dog, all right? I had a servant attitude when I had nothing, 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 nothing to get nobody but my time, all right? So I want to hear that. Those are excuses, all right, doc? And, uh, and, and people, you're a professional excuse making a professional liar when you talk about I, I don't have this and I don't have that. We got all things through Christ who strengthens us. It ain't no such thing as I can't do something. You can do anything. It's just a matter of what you want to do. So you see the same person who will sit up and tell you, I'm sorry, I, don't, I ain't gonna buy my money to get into your programs, bro. I say, well, don't do it. I ain't trying to convince you to do nothing. And then, then and they leave and go home and watch TV for eight hours. Eight hours, stuck in front of a, a TV like a nomad, stuck in front of a television, uh, like they're up under some hypnosis or something like that. But whatever else they're gonna do, they're gonna trick their time off. See, broke people are always worried about money. Wealthy people, we always concerned about time. All right? We're always concerned about time. We ain't got no time to be wasted. Uh, however long me and you talking this time well spent because you're an excellent man and I don't, I don't feel bad about none of this time that we spend it with each other it's well worth it, you know but I don't waste my time all right and when people want to come around me and they don't put a premium on time I'm like you deserve to be broke all right only thing you budgeting is money you're not budgeting your time matter of fact I got a journal right here bro Every day for the last six years. This on the left side, this is what I said I was going to do. This on the right side, this is what I did. Mm. You'll never stick me up for my time. All right? I know exactly where it's been spent, exactly what it's been spent on, so I can reevaluate this week. You know, I got a real simple life. On Sunday, I write down what I'm going to do in the four areas of my life. And uh, where is that? On Sundays, I write this down right here, what I'm going to do with the four areas of my life. And then we got to get out of here after this brother, but I want to show you this because this will really help your friend. And um, if they decide they, you know, they want to do this. So here's my simple, this is how simple my life is. This is my divine purpose. Every week I write it down to help people get over the fear of people and make it to heaven. That's my, mm. divine, That's my divine purpose. And then I got what I want to do in, the, in my personal and my spiritual life my financial life over here, my personal life. And then down here, I write down what I ain't going to do. All right? And it's just that simple. I learned it from a 94-year-old billionaire. He taught me how to do that. All right? In one of my classes I was in, because you got to go and learn what you don't know. So, and I take this piece of paper, and that's how I write out that schedule. Every day, I write that schedule. I look on there, and I say, what have I not done today that's on, this, that's on my uh, schedule to do for the week? And then I write in whatever it's supposed to be. And I check things off as they get done. And I know every day what I did. Every day. For years. I've been doing that stuff for six years now. So you can't trick my time off. It's too precious. I already know what I'm going to do. I already know. You're already on the schedule to talk to today. And, um, and that's why we're talking now. I ain't up under no pressure now. I ain't in no hurry. I got one more thing. One more person to meet at six. They give me time to take an old man now. You did? I'm good. <laughs> hey. Hey, the only thing we not getting back is time. Well, and he just taught us how to budget that time so that we can get the things that we want to accomplish done and be productive. It's a difference between being busy and being productive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And a big thing about it is most people will not write down what they post, will not write down what you're supposed to do because you have a devil that you haven't tamed yet. And that devil that you haven't tamed yet is the devil of accountability. Because everybody that grows in life is self-accountable and then accountable to somebody else. 
If you're not self-accountable, don't know what you're doing with your time, you don't have anybody that you report to, you're playing games with your own life. You're like, I, I like being mediocre. I like being average. I like being an underachiever, you know? I like being the, the best of the, I like being the biggest of the small. I like being the best of the worst. I like, <laughs> I get a kick out of that stuff, you know? I, it was a lady we was at the play uh, uh, this weekend. And she was like, uh, first of all, I want to say, I was laughing so hard. I was like, this stuff, you can't even make this stuff up, right? She on a panel. She said, first of all, I want to say that I am not humble. <laughs> so I'm like, what's about to come after this? No. And she said, and all these people got these little shops and stuff. You know, they only be making like 40000 My shop makes six figures. And I was like, she bragging about $100,000. I'm like, Lord have mercy. Dude. Lord have mercy. I just got through telling you, God ain't going to fight you over your limitations. I mean, happy about it, too. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with being happy about where you made it to. But there's a certain temperament, you know, that we're supposed to have. And the word of God will snap you about that stuff. It lets you know that, hey, I haven't arrived. You know, whatever I've done, it's nothing close to what I'm capable of doing. You dig what I'm saying? Because when you do that, when you, when you act like you've arrived, what you do is, is that you cut off your possibilities of making some, of making some real hay. And the Bible said that the God, he resists the proud, but he gave grace to the humble. So you don't want to get up and publicly declare the word of God don't mean nothing to you. You don't want to tell God to go ahead. That's what you're saying. When you get up and you publicly declare that the word of God don't mean nothing to me, all mm. right? That this is, I'm, I'm my own God. You know, it's just nonsense, you dig? So I was listening to it and all that. I was like, God, God help you, baby. We're praying for you. <laughs> for real. I am not humble. <laughs> and Bible say, leave a fool in his folly. <laughs> leave a fool in his folly. So y'all know I preach every day. So I got a lot of people don't like me because I be chin checking folks. So all y'all want to know how to catch up with me, eight o'clock, eight o'clock, uh, like clockwork, eight o'clock Eastern. It's, it's written over here every day. And, and I do it every day, eight o'clock at, at, um, on Instagram, teaching you guys Bible principles seven days a week, unless I got something that supersedes it. It ain't for no money. It's just for the grace of God. It's just to do God's work first, seek his work, seek his will first. And make sure that people know that there's a heaven and that there's a hell and you're going to want one of them. All right. And if you don't get over, over this foolishness and over this narcissistic behavior and this arrogance and this nonsense, you know, check yourself or you wreck yourself, you know, to make me preach like Snoop Dogg, you need to check your seals. Right. So <laughs> I got to go, brothers. Anything else for me? Before, before? Uh, no, man. Just make sure, make sure y'all tap in with Rick, the wealth coach. He does a, every month, he does a financial IQ challenge. Amazing. He's going to teach y'all a lot. He's going to learn some more about this wisdom, learn more about the word of God. He just an amazing soul. Y'all see what he what he brings to the table. He just here to serve and teach us how to be a servant to others. So I appreciate you for logging on here with us today, spreading your knowledge, spreading your wisdom. Where can they find you? This Rick the Wealth Coach on Instagram. Rick the Wealth Coach and our Financial IQ Challenge is Financial IQ Challenge. Com, but it's all in my bio. You just go to my bio on um, on Instagram. Anything you want to see, I've got courses on Focus. I got a cold blooded focus focus course called Focus that leads to fortunes. Cold blood teach you how to get knuckle down screwball type and how to do a week. I show you how to do more in a week than you get done a whole year. Mm. You know how to get more done in a month than you get done in five years by some of these simple things that we do. Some of the 
I can teach focus real good, as you can see why, because I'm extremely focused. So I can teach that. So if you guys um, are interested in any of those things, all of that is in my bio at Rick the Wealth Coach, Brother Lamont. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, sir. And then as we close out here, could you give us a word of prayer to close us out? Yes, sir. I'd be glad to do that. I appreciate all your time you're taking with me, and I want to thank you. Oh, thank you. Having me come and spend some time with you because you are a gift to the kingdom, brother. And I love you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for letting us gather together today. Thank you for Lamont being a young, a young prince, a, a young king, Lord, for having a heart uh, and desires to do what it is that you say to do, Lord, for being such a wonderful, wonderful gift to the kingdom. Bless this man. Bless him in the city. Bless him in the field. Bless him when he rises up in the morning and when he walks by the wayside, Lord. Give him great courage. Give him great wisdom, great clarity of mind, Lord. Allow him, Father, to know what direction to take so that his life will take off and, uh, and be us. And so he was sore like an eagle, Father. Bless his finances. Bless his health. Bless any personal relationships that he may have, Father. Give him a tremendous clarity of mind and what direction he should take, what he should be doing next so that he can go real hard. And then not only the mind, Lord, but all of us, all of our listeners who may be listening right now, Lord, you see what's going on. Some people just don't feel good, so they need their body healed. I pray that you would heal their body. So, Lord, some people are hungry, don't necessarily have enough food in the house. I pray that you would bless their coffers, Lord. Some people are lonely and depressed because they've been broken hearted by folk. Lord, I pray that you would bless them, Lord, if they realize that you are their chief joy. And as long as they love you, Lord, that you'll never abandon them, leave them, or forsake them. And then, Lord, we have some people, Father, who are trying to do businesses, some people who are trying to put together massive programs, Lord, and they just need some leadership. They just need some guidance. They just need some courage, Lord. They just need some partners to partner with, Father, so that they can be able to have their weaknesses shored up, and Lord, they'll be able to shine with what their strengths are. I pray that you would um, bless everybody to move into this age of partnership, Lord, that they'll be blessed and that they'll take advantage of having good partners in their life. Help them to, to pick wisely, Lord, because, Lord, we know that how can two together, how can two walk together except they agree. Now, Lord, thank you for this wonderful meeting that we've had. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. We thank y'all for logging on to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God and the culture. And we'll see y'all next time. God bless my brother. Bless you.